the clown. Let's see. Okay, so did that give you all like a warning of recording? Like, did it come on? Oh, okay. I changed some settings and I wanted to make sure that it, I think it is recording anyway. Um, so yeah, uh, what did y'all learn from, from the reading this week from Isaiah? Um, you know, this is a, a big section. Um, the, the suffering and salvation part is, is crucial to, to understand. It's kind of the, the crescendo of um, everything that, that Isaiah is trying to work through, uh, the need for a savior. And so the first half deals with temporal salvation. And then that second half deals with the spiritual salvation, why we even need to be saved. Um, and so, yeah, just what did you all learn from, from this week? What chapters or verses stood out to you? Um, yeah, just kind of open-ended question there. I'll jump in. I'm really good at this. Um, and sorry if there's background noise, but I love, love, love. Not that it's easy, but I love that it talks about how Zion and even the servant, that they felt abandoned. Like, Lord, where are you? We're doing everything that we can for you, but where in the world are you? Um, I think that's from chapter, I don't remember if it's 49, but uh, anyway, where are you? What are you doing? And they feel abandoned. And he comes around and he's like, and it's the one that talks about like, can a woman forget her suckling child? And yeah, that even might happen, but I'm not going to forget you. I promise. Like it's because of you. I have these holes engraven in my hands and it's because of you, like us people, us that yeah. he went through all of these things and just the beautiful promises, like that he turns ashes into the beauty and I don't know. I love how all of us, I don't know about the rest of you, but I imagine all of us have felt at some point or another forsaken. And if you haven't yet, I'm sorry, because it's probably coming. <laughs> that we go through this forsakenness, like, where are you? And Job kind of went through the same thing and taught him to yell at God too. But And Jehovah's there. And he's like, look, I'm here. I've always been here. It's just something that you had to go through. Just like when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was like, or even on the cross, he's like, but where did you go? Like, why have you abandoned me, Father? Where are you? But he went mm -hmm. through that too. So we also get the opportunity to go through that if we accept it. Mm -hmm. Not yeah, have to, but we get to. It's a choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Choosing to, to do that and get up. Um, anyone else that had anything that they'd uh, like to share that they got out of this? Uh, section. And if not, um, Mother, can you bring up the Isaiah Explained website if you haven't already? Um, I might be leaning on you a lot for, for scriptures. Who all has access to the scriptures on their screen that can read them while they're zooming? Um, uh, let's see. I'm trying to like scroll through people. So Chelsea does, and my mom does, Cindy, okay, um, and Shamala. Okay. Yeah, sorry, because it's only given me four at a time. I haven't ever done Zoom on my phone. Well, at least I've never hosted a meeting on my phone before, and so I'm kind of new to that. Um, so you want to go to 48 first, do you say? Yeah, 48, and then we'll go to 49. And um, 
if we're just reading well let's read like 10 verses each ish and if you're like close to the end of the chapter you can just kind of finish it out um but yeah let's uh mom let's go ahead and have you read um one through ten and then sin in chapter 48 and then Cindy read the next 10. I think that that's the one that has like 22 verses, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and read that. Okay. Hear this, O house of Jacob, you who are named Israel, though you stem from the lineage of Judah, who take oaths in the name of Jehovah and invoke the God of Israel, though not in truth or in righteousness, who call yourselves of the holy city, upheld by the God of Israel, whose name is Jehovah of hosts. The prophecies of the events of the past I made known long beforehand. No sooner did they issue from my mouth than I caused them to be announced. Then suddenly I acted and they came about. For I knew how stubborn you were. Your neck was an iron sinew your brow brazen. Therefore, I told you them beforehand. I announced them to you before they transpired, lest you should say my idols did it. My graven and brought, wrought images caused it. But you have heard the whole vision. How is it you do not proclaim it? Yet, as of now, I announce to you new things, things withheld and unknown to you, things now coming into being, not here to, not hitherto, things you have not heard of before, lest you should say, indeed, I knew them. You have not heard them, nor have you known them. Before this, your ears have not been open to them, for I knew you would turn treacherous. You were called a transgressor from the womb. For my own namesake, I have bridled my wrath on account of my renown. I have shown restraint toward you, but not entirely destroying you. See, I am refining you, though not as silver. I am testing you in the crucible crucible of affliction. Um, for my own sake, on my own account, I do it, that my name be not dishonored, nor my glory, which I give to no other. Hear me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I have called. I am he, I am he who is at the first, and I am he who is at the last. It was my hand that founded the earth, my right hand that stretched out the heavens, when I call them, they arise at once. All of you assemble in here. Who among you foretold these things? It is him Jehovah loves, who shall perform his will in Babylon. His arm shall be against the Chaldeans. I myself have spoken it and also called him. I have brought him and I will prosper his way. Come near me and hear this. I have not made predictions in secret at their coming to pass. I have been present. Now my Lord Jehovah has sent me. His spirit is in me. Thus says Jehovah, the Holy One of Israel, your Redeemer. 
I, Jehovah, your God, instruct you to your good, guiding you in the way you should go. Had you but obeyed my commandments, your peace would have been as a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been as the sands in number. Your descendants, as many as their grains, their names would not have been cut off and obliterated from my presence. Go forth out of Babylon, flee from Chaldea, make this announcement with resounding voice, broadcast it to the end of the earth. Say, Jehovah has redeemed his servant Jacob. They thirsted not when he led them through arid place, places. He caused water to flow for them, for them from the rock. He cleaved the rock and water gushed out, but there is no peace, says Jehovah, for the wicked. Yeah, I was muted. Yeah, thank you. So, like, what are some of the, the interesting key parts that we get out of that section? Like, why do we even have that chapter? Why does Isaiah bother writing that? Um, I think that there are some, some key principles um, kind of scattered throughout there, but I'd love to, to hear your thoughts on it. Well, anytime it says the right hand, that's talking about the future um, end servant. Mm -hmm. and also, um, righteousness is the same person, his voice. Anyway, I think it's, it's and then we have that, there, uh, water flowed out of the rock you know that happened to Moses and stuff so I'm thinking there's these types along the way and then it's it's leading us forward to this end time servant talking about yeah I feel like I feel like he's saying you know I told you all this I I'm telling you I I've told you my secrets I haven't kept it secret you just haven't listened to me why aren't you know why why can't you just listen to me and follow my servant I I feel like kind of that's what he's saying, you know, there's not going to be any peace for the wicked. You, you need to follow my servant. Otherwise you're going to, you're going to be destroyed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And so um, kind of throughout that, that theology that Isaiah is pointing out is that there's this end time servant that is going to be a, a major, uh, I don't know, kind of disruption. Like it, uh, I, I've prepared you for him. I've prophesied of him, but yet, uh, you know, there's many that are going to choose to to go away and, and not follow him. And that's not saying that that servant comes and like discredits our current leadership, obviously, but um, there's, um, there's just a, I don't know how to phrase it because that, that throws a lot of people off. Um, I think that that's one of the, the main reasons people uh, disagree with Avraham in, in general is about his, his interpretation of the, uh, the Davidic servant that, that comes in the last days. Um, but yes, I just barely seen that chat word go. Oh, yes. Is that servant not Jesus? So yes, it, um, as with most of Isaiah's prophecies that they're, they're dual, um, uh, dual fulfillments. So um, one is uh, Christ, and that's the historical one. And then there's going to be an end time um, fulfillment of that as well. Um, 
I forget which verse it's in. Is it like three or four mother that I was like commenting in the other groups? Uh, if you could like scroll up to those. I kind of forget. <laughs> there was one important one there that I. When it talks from my mouth and stuff, is that the one you're wanting? Or the idols? They cause. Um... Yeah, what's that one? That's number five. It okay. said, therefore, I told them beforehand, I announced them to you before they transpired, lest you should say, my idols did it. My graven and wrought images caused it. Is that the one you're oh. Yeah, I think that that is, but I, I kind of already commented on that. Uh, Cindy mentioned it. You know, it's like, I've been telling you this stuff. I've been warning you. And... Um, uh, kind of thing um but, yeah uh, i was beginning point. it feels a little bit like a frustration like i'm gonna count to three and if you don't get this <laughs> it's like i'm running out of frustration with you people you can feel a little <laughs> frustration in don't you think in it mm -hmm. which yeah. i think heavenly father does probably get frustrated with us like we get with our kids like I'm trying to teach you and you're just kind of not getting it and I'm going to put you in time out if you don't knock it off like I mm -hmm. just feel like there's it feels like a little temper in it mm -hmm. yeah and then you have this contrasting uh ideal of chapter 49 right I mean it is one of the most loving and uh precious scriptures that that we have you know um, which is so much like parenthood like you get mad at mm -hmm. them and you're frustrated i'm gonna put you in time out i'm gonna spank you and then it's like because i love you and i'm sorry i hurt you and please you know you just gotta see mom loves you like it's so to me that's all i can really see in it is like it's so par like parenting like we are mm -hmm. with our yeah. kids that frustration and, that you know they they want to bring on some of that stuff you know like there's there's consequences and uh, sorry mm -hmm. i tried to warn you i tried to save you but well, well and then that go ahead Cindy. oh i was gonna say just like the scriptures say you know if you're gonna rebuke and and uh you know maybe scold somebody then you need to show forth more love mm -hmm. afterwards and you know it just reminds me of that principle yeah, yeah. and that one part you says you're so stubborn like it's I don't, I can't see it right now. I'm talking, but it says you're stubborn and you won't take, turn your neck to see me. And it's just, it's so like, you're quit being stubborn and just do what I say. <laughs> That's all I can see in it. But thank God prepared a way even for those of us that are stubborn, all of us. Right? <laughs> yeah. I just, I just mean like, With love. yeah, yeah. And just how some of our kids are more stubborn than others. Like they're so, it's like, you're just like your dad. You're so stubborn. <laughs> yeah. I love how in nine, he says, um, I have shown restraint towards you by not entirely destroying you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I could have taken you out a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Is that um, one of those things where it's like, I brought you into this world. I can take you <laughs> out of this world out. just <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, we're, we're hiring Shamala to do the new revised translation of Isaiah, putting it into to, to modern LDS lingo. I love it. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so yeah, let's go to chapter 49. Um, let's see. So we have... Uh, Shamala, you want to start on 
you did raise your hand, right? I, I can't remember. But yeah, the first 10 verses of, of 49. And then um, let's have Chelsea do the next ones. Um, and then uh, who's next on my, my thing? Sarah Irving raising her hand. Okay. So I can't remember how many verses there are, but like if there's 10, 10, and then there's the next 10, then Sarah will. will... Yeah, there's 26. 26. Okay. Sounds good. All right, so chapter 49, starting in verse 1, it says, Hear me, O Isles, listen, you distant people. Jehovah called me before I was in the belly, before I was in my mother's womb. He mentioned me by name. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He has made me into a polished arrow. In his quiver, he kept me secret. He said to me, you are my servant. Israel, in whom I will be glorified. I had thought, I've labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and had unto no purpose. Yet my cause rested with Jehovah, my recompense with my God. For now, Jehovah has said, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to restore Jacob to him. Israel having been gathered to him, for I won honor in the eyes of Jehovah. When my God became my strength, he said, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore those preserved for Israel. I will also appoint you to be a light to the nations that my salvation may be to the end of the earth. Thus says Jehovah, the Redeemer and Holy One of Israel, to him who is despised as a person, who is abhorred by his nation, a servant to those who are in authority, Kings shall rise up when they see you. Princes shall prostrate themselves because Jehovah keeps faith with you because the Holy One of Israel has chosen you. Thus says Jehovah, at a favorable, at a favorable time, I have answered you. In the day of salvation, I have come to your aid. I have created you and appointed you to be a covenant of the people, to restore the land and reapportion the desolate estates, to say to the captives, come forth, and to those who are in darkness, to show yourselves. They shall feed along the way and find pasture on all the barren heights. They shall not hunger or thirst, nor be smitten by the heat wave or the sun. He who has mercy on them will guide them he will lead them by springs of water. All my mountain ranges I will appoint as roads. My highway shall be on high. See these coming from afar, these from the northwest, and these from the land of Sinim. Shout for joy, O heavens. Celebrate, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. Jehovah is comforting his people, showing compassion for his afflicted. But Zion said, Jehovah has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her suckling infant, or feel no compassion for the child of her womb? Although these shall forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on my palms. I have sealed you to be continually before me. Your sons shall hasten your ravagers away. Those who ruined you shall depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around you. With one accord they gather and come to you. As surely as I live, says Jehovah, you shall adorn yourself with them all as with jewels bind them on you as does a bride for your ruins and ravaged places and your land laid waste shall now be too small for your inhabitants 
despite the departure of your devourers. The children born during the time of your bereavement shall yet say in your ears. Sorry, I went one extra. This place is too cramped for us. Give us space in which to settle. Okay, are we on chapter 49? Mm-hmm. 21. I read one extra verse. Okay, that's why. I was thinking you read 21. Okay. Um, then shalt thou say in thy heart, Who hath begotten me these? Seeing I have lost my children, and I am desolate, I am a captive, and removing to and fro. And who hath brought up these? Behold, I was left alone. These were these were the were had they where had they been? Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles, and set up my standard to the people, and they shall bring thy son and their in their arms, and thy daughters shall they carry upon thy shoulders, and kings shall be thy nursing sure it says fathers. Fathers and their queens thy nursing nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee with their face toward the earth and lick up the dust of thy feet and thou shalt know that i am the lord for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me shall the prey be taken from the mighty or the lawful captive captive delivered but thus saith the lord even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away and the prey of their terrible shall be delivered for i will contend with them that contend with thee and I will save thy children, and I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken with their own blood, as with sweet wine, and all the flesh shall know that I, Lord, am the Savior, and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Thank you. So that's the end of the chapter, right? Okay. Um, so yeah, that, that chapter is, is amazing. The more I learn, the more insights there are, there's more covenants to be found, more interesting parallels and language in there. But, um, what, what stood out to you guys as you were uh, reading and, and listening to that chapter, uh, just now and this week, um, what level or has your appreciation for Christ expanded through the study of Isaiah? This is like a totally different question, but I'm going to throw them both out there and then <laughs> spark discussion. But has your appreciation for Jehovah or our Savior, Jesus Christ, amplified through the study of Isaiah and, and these levels, the ministering uh, ladder to heaven kind of thing? I really like the part where it talks about the foster fathers and the nursing mothers. He knew we were going to need those, you know, and, and he made arrangements for them long ago. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that, well, I just, I ask myself, who are these foster fathers and nursing mothers? and I, I believe they are the 144,000 that uh, bring 
the elect from the four quarters of the earth and, and bring them to Zion. And I think that um, if we listen carefully in the temple, I think we'll find that we're called to be those if we'll accept and rise up and, and do that very thing. Mm -hmm. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, I love the part. I love that. I love that too, darling. But I also love the um, the part, the end where he says, I will contend with your contenders. And then something about, I will save your children just because um, we all want to feel like it's fair and we all want to feel like um, we're defended. At least I do. And then for all of us that have wayward children, it's just like, that's just what a mom wants to hear. Like, that's just, that's all we want to hear. That our kids mm. will be okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what metaphors and what things can we pull out of the, the phrase there that says that they will lick up the dust of their feet? Isn't it enough that they're uh, nursing them and bringing them in their arms and on their shoulders. Uh, what does the, the licking of the dust mean? What does that symbolize? If, we, if we're talking about 144,000 or the sun servant level of the ladder, how does that all fit in? And, and what are your interpretations of it? And I'm not saying that there's like a right or wrong answer. I'm just, uh, that's been on my mind this week. Like, what, what does that mean? I could be totally wrong, but there are scriptures from my understanding that talk about how we're supposed to, or missionaries, shake the dust off your feet. And it's almost like shaking off the sins of whoever's head. So those sins don't go onto your head. And I'd never thought of it before, but if they're licking the dust off your feet, they're literally, and missionary work literally does purify people from sins. They're like, please let me remove those sins for you. Please let me help. Let me help you get back to Christ and God. That's my take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. You know, and that would make sense too, because um, because the kings and queens aren't they really acting like a savior? I mean, in a sense, so it would make sense that they would take their sins, you know, from them to help them with that. So yeah, I like that interpretation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very interesting, and so. Let, let's go back and, and revisit that. So who are the, the kings and queens? And then a second follow-up question is, who out of all of the, the levels of the Isaiah's ladder can act as saviors on any, uh, like in any capacity, like whether great or small, but which, which levels of the ladder are allowed to participate in that um, that saviorship, I guess isn't you'd it, say. Isn't it just the son servant and higher, I think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that son servant, seraphim, and Jehovah God, right? So Jehovah God, I mean, there's things on that level of the ladder that no one else can do, right? I mean, atone for the sins of the world, uh, suffer there. like. Um, but he does allow others to participate in, in proxy saviorship. Um, or or even very real like physical protection um uh saviorship like uh saving them from 
uh, physical or, or spiritual harm kind of a thing. So I, I find that very interesting as we look at the idea of kings and queens, and as we are, are promised uh, in the temple to, to become kings and queens, how, how, how does that how, play out? Uh, sorry, my voice just echoed back to me, my last phrase or whatever, it kind of freaked me out. <laughs> it um, echoed on our side too. <laughs> oh, I did? <laughs> yeah. So say that again, because I didn't quite get it. <laughs> thought it was a little angel or something on my shoulder. I don't know. Anyway, um, so how, how do we take that when um, we are, are promised that we can? Like, like my mom said, uh, the, the call has already been issued. Um, and it, it's whether uh, just how fast we want to come to God kind of a thing. How do we approach that when we are, are doing proxy work? And, uh, you know, how fast can we seek to to ascend the ladder kind of a thing i don't know there's lots of different questions in my head and i'm not formulating it just right but um where where christ has has done the ultimate uh, atonement and suffering and he allows us to participate in that how fast can we and how can we even approach it to to start doing those things ourselves does that make sense i don't know if that's a, a good question but um I think how fast we can approach it depends on how many trials we want to have at the same time. Do you want a trial sandwich or do you want to take it one level at a time? Realistically, like you could have a trial cake. It could be a nine level cake if you want to, a nine layer cake. You could just layer them all together, but realistically, you're going to crash and burn. I've tried it. That's how I know. Um, But also we can ascend as fast as we choose to and as fast as we're willing to actually take action, not just having faith to do it, but as fast as we're taking action to make it happen, because God will give us the opportunities if we're actually ready for him. And sometimes if we're not ready for him, we're asking for him anyway, he'll give us those anyway, just to say, "Mm, remember, you're stubborn and I told you so, but Mm -hmm. I love you. So here you go. I'll give you a shot. (laughs) And that's my thought as fast as we can handle realistically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, realistically and, and preparing for it, right? Anyway, I think that that's one of the, the great conundrums of, of my studies and, and things right now is like, okay, I think I'm ready for a little bit, but I'm not totally sure kind of a thing, you know? And so it's kind of that um, approaching the throne of God with confidence, right? I mean, uh, especially with Triumph of Zion that we're going to read next and, and taking all of this that we've learned in Isaiah decoded. And it's like, all right, like uh, knowledge is given, right? When we're ready for it, uh, for the most part, you know, I mean, you might stumble upon or, or hear some different things now and again, but um, like the Lord caters our learning process. And I feel like we are learning a, a ton here in, in Isaiah with, with different principles and, and ideas. And it's like, okay, now, what do we do to put this in practice? Because the practice is, is kind of scary. I mean, if we take the Hezekiah story, right? And uh, Hezekiah uh, entering into a Davidic covenant on behalf of his people, because his people just aren't there yet. They're not ready to, uh, to live the law collectively. Uh, you know, there's, there's still um, varying levels of obedience in, in their camp. And yet, um, when Sennacherib is uh, right on the door, ready to attack. Hezekiah enters into that covenant for them to protect them and um, successfully um, 
Hezekiah pleads for the people and um, then a seraphim, somebody higher up on the ladder, comes in and actually saves them, provides the protection. Um, but he does have to take upon himself that um, that suffering that, that happens with it. And so, uh, like Shamala said, it's like, <laughs> how, how, do you want a, a suffering sandwich or, or do you want to just take a couple of bites and, and learn it step by step? Um, but anyway, I, I, I don't know. It's just an interesting conundrum. I, I know exactly like what... Um, the Lord has been telling me and my personal things and stuff, but um, I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing it out there, seeing what everybody else is kind of thinking and, and growing. Do you, do you feel a sense of urgency with the new knowledge that we're receiving? And um, it, you know, if it's not too personal, are you willing to, to share like what kinds of, of things you're being led to with this new knowledge that we're gaining in Isaiah? And if not, that's totally fine because I, I get that's a, a really personal journey. Um, I'm always being taught to open my mouth. Literally, <laughs> just that. It's that simple. Shamala, open your mouth. Shamala, <laughs> stop hiding. Stop avoiding. Whoever it is that's in front of you, just open your mouth. And then the words will come. I don't have to plan ahead of time. I've done the study. All that stuff is there. And I'm sure it's the same for you guys. Maybe you're not prompted to do it yet, but to do what we're actually taught. That's at least for me. Take action, follow through, open your mouth, and do what you're taught on whatever mm -hmm. level to help whoever it is that's standing in front of me or on the phone. Mm -hmm. And it sounds simple, but it's hard. It can be <laughs> yeah, really it's hard. real hard. <laughs> so for anybody who thinks it's simple, that's great. Teach me. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I personally have just felt like it's made the gathering seem way more personal and way more like uh, I've been more eager to, like she said, share or open my mouth. Well, I've always been good at opening my mouth, but um, like finding people that need the gospel or just like reaching out and feeling confident enough in myself that I dare to say, like to feel, because I didn't go on a mission. So it's always have been like, I don't know if I know enough but confident enough, not really in what I know, but in the Lord that he will help me. And just like, I studying this has made me just think, oh, I need to invite people over. I need to be just missionary work in general, way more than I ever have, way more. And um, like last year I would like, I made a list, like every day I would try to serve someone every single day, like, a, and now it's just like, um not to be on a list but just like moving forward just constantly but then also my prayers like where am I heavenly father like where am I where you want me to be what do I need to do next what do I need to study next what do I need to how do I need to show you how dedicated I am to you like what do I you know what I feel like it's pushed me forward um most probably confident and then just like action, like mm -hmm. a lot more action driven than I have been. Um, anyway, that's what I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that uh, kind of dual concepts there, confidence and action, uh, really uh, pushing forward because, uh, you know, uh, the greater knowledge is that things are scary, right? I mean, if we've seen anything in this past week, this past year, um, 
uh, this past decade with um, the the prophecies that are given and the uh, prophetic advice that is um, extended, how people react so differently to it. And yet we're all in the same boat. We're all pushing towards the same goals and it's going to be hard. You're going to, to face paradoxes at, at every turn. But um, uh, in Marilee Boyuk's class uh, today, we were talking about saving wayward children and, and how does that work? You know, how, um, how does, uh, how have the ancient prophets told us how to save wayward children and uh, extending that to our families and communities as well? And I don't know, the whole time I was just thinking, Isaiah gives us all of the answers here that, that we're searching for as a class. We were trying to kind of hint in, in practical ways on, on how to do things and stuff, but I just kept going back and thinking, Isaiah, 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 this is it. This is how we, we do it. Um, like the, the sun servant level of the ladder, we know that that's the first one that requires um, uh, marriage, the, the sealing covenant, right? Um, and so sun servants, seraphs, they're, they're acting in... In, in conjunction with each other and the the push for women to understand uh, what it is to to have priesthood power and and be able to to be saviors you know um i i think that this is just so crucial to our time um i i forget where at in uh avraham's uh books i think it's an end time prophecy but i could be wrong but um he says uh, he reiterates kind of what some people have, have mentioned before that um, when women really start catching on to their true power, that's when the last days really kick up steam because that's when God is preparing his son servants and seraphim at the same time that the earth is getting more and more wicked because there's more need to save people. They're, you know, um, just looking at our families, like how many are, are falling you know it's the 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 spiritual death toll is is rising uh, exponentially here in these last days hey um cameron what did you say that where did you say that was found uh -huh, yeah which which part sorry i, um, I kind of forgot what i already said about the women oh the women yes so avraham it's i think it's an end time prophecy but I'm not entirely sure. I've been listening to lots of audiobooks and stuff. So it's something with Avraham, but I forget which part. But um, President Nelson has said, you know, very similar things, you know, like when uh, I urge the women to, uh, to fully realize their, their capacity and uh, the power that, that we have. Um, Margaret Barker talks about it a lot, that, um, uh, the, the hidden mother wisdom that, that used to be in the temple will be restored in the last days. Um, and, and that's uh, a key principle for uh, the return of the savior. The, the divine feminine has to return in full force upon the earth. Um, if any of you uh, have heard of like the Mandy Green and the Mary Magdalene class, uh, she talks about that extensively, um, that, that principle that the, the divine feminine, the, the holy mother wisdom um, that is a, a thing that gets restored in the last days kind of thing. And, and cool. you know, completely with prophetic uh, quotes and stuff, I don't have those off the top of my head, especially without my notes, but...
Can I just invite you to add the links for whatever those are, whenever you're able to get them, or send us a mass email or in a text message next week or whatever. Because um, Avraham talks about, and I've known it because it talks about it in DNC 113 it, um, at the end yeah, yeah, yeah. where it references 52. It's like, who is Zion? What are they talking about? Who are these people? And he said, um, she, Zion, like it, it refers to a she, like a person, right? She, Zion, will return to that power which she has lost, talking about the priesthood. And in the commentary mm -hmm. from Isaiah explained on, I think it was chapter 52, when it talks about put on your robes to Zion, it, he specifically mentions the priesthood. But I'd love mm -hmm. to see whatever like prophetic quotes, because I know what the spirit tells me and that's totally right with it, what, what I, my personal revelation, but um, not everyone understands yeah. that yet. So if there are other quotes, please share, please. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, we have to, to do everything with modern prophets, with ancient prophets, and with the spirit, the, that trifecta, right? You know, so that we stay safe in, in all things. And, you know, sometimes I, I wing things out there, even if I don't have the quote right off the top of my head. But, um, uh, but yeah, rest assured that that, uh, that principle is a, an interesting part of uh, what we're seeing, uh, even within the last couple of years and, and, and moving forward. Um, David A. Christensen uh, also talked about the, the power of men and women to go down into the depths of hell to rescue their children. And uh, it, it's a willing sacrifice that it's not just the savior that other people get to participate in, uh, you know, especially parents, you know, with that ceiling power, that that is huge in order to, to do it. But it's not just alone. It's not just a man because he has the priesthood that goes and does it. It is a couple. And that priesthood is is jointly used in that in that proxy saviorship uh for for our families kind of thing well when we are sealed as couples we receive the patriarchal priesthood the women do as well mm -hmm. yeah yeah the patriarchal order is We're entered into the sealing altar priesthood but we receive the priesthood there in our ceiling mm -hmm. yeah it's not an office thing you know um c robert line talks about it and he has a, a chart that he does here at education week but um that uh the men have to do kind of the the stepping stones they have to to go office by office and and learn it but yet the women just get the opportunity to kind of swoop in there at the, the ceiling altar and get the full enchilada uh, right there. Yet there's still no instruction book or, or manual how to do it. And isn't that kind of an interesting principle? You know, like the men have, have literally manuals how to kind of advance and uh, uh, assume little responsibilities here uh, and there, yet uh, women are just kind of thrown into it. Um, uh, I think that's a, Interesting how the Lord uh, prepares and uh, provides that uh, inspiration and, and guidance in these last days. There's something yes. along those lines in the endowment that like nobody else has ever heard before. And I pointed out, they're like, what are you even talking about? But maybe if I say it here, you guys will understand. Um, when in the beginning, it's talking about the men and women and those who are such and such and those who are ordained to become such and such. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if, if you guys know what I'm talking about, listen to those words, and they are different. What what is told to the women and what is told to the men, they are not the same. And literally to the men, only to become, I swear, is like part of the words, and it, that's not the case mm -hmm. for women. So 
that's just, I guess, one of those other ways modern revelation ties into what you're saying. Super mm -hmm. interesting, but it's hidden right in plain sight, just like so many of these other things that. Yeah, <laughs> it's always been there. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, did somebody else have something there? I, I thought like somebody I else had unmuted. Think... Oh, it's me. Is it okay if I talk? Oh, yeah, go for it. I just think the journey of figuring this all out has been, um, I think if it would just place before us, like, oh, here's a manual, girls. Like, we want you just to study this and figure this out. We would just be like, oh, okay. But to search it and work for it, like we've had to work for it. Because um, I was asking my dad this a couple of years ago, like, why don't they tell us just what they want us to do? Like, why are we, you know, how this all is going to work but I think it's been the searching and the journey that's made it like us to to fill our part it takes time it's not just something you can read in a book like it's spiritual work and it's time on praying and studying and learning and growing and it's 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 us really reaching it's not just placed before us you know what I mean and I think that's that's mm -hmm. part of it and I um like it's just funny because we we're talking about this week um like guys they have the ego like they have to have the ego to to be the hunters and the gatherers and the ones that do it even now like and they still have ego like a man can look in the mirror and like he can be chubby or whatever still be like oh man I'm still tough and I'm still cool a girl looks in the mirror and she's like I look horrible like even if she looks good she's like you know we're so hard on ourselves and that's just been like the descending we had to go through and now the ascending of like searching and learning like his love for us and our power like we had to work for it where men just have like this ego like oh, we're cool you know mm -hmm. and it's just, it's just it's interesting to me and i can see why heavenly father is making us work for it it's not just gonna throw it at us mm -hmm. and i don't know i don't know if that makes any sense to you but mm -hmm. Kathy, if we yeah. had a manual, if they literally handed us a manual, maybe for you guys it'd be amazing and you would read it, but I don't read through the whole manual when they hand it over. Just saying. <laughs> so even if we had it, something that so much of us take for granted, that's why for me, the personal revelation is so important, figuring it out, mm -hmm. like coming to Lord to teach us individually. So it's yeah. not just something sitting on the shelf right there in front of us. Mm -hmm. You guys are probably right. better than me, but that's why. That's where I'm at. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting, uh, you know, just with some of the new concepts of studying Isaiah, because I've never done it before, and then finding that all of these things are in the scriptures so perfectly. It's just, I didn't know what I was looking for. And so, um, you know, like all of this stuff uh, about our missions in the end times, about the, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, everything that we need to know about him is is in the scriptures in the modern prophets and in the holy spirit that trifecta is is amazing and it it's just a, a huge mission of a lifetime to, to study it out to to receive um you know but, but there's like so much to study i mean there's there's never going to be enough time to to fully get to the, the depth of everything all at once and so it it really takes the the hearing him principle of like you have to be guided in your studies and uh, to what parts you need to do when and, uh, and how and, and how to act on it and how to have that courage and stuff. 
Um, but that's what I just love about um, these chapters this week, uh, especially 48 and 49. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of our classic chapters, but I've never tied them all in together and uh, how they, uh, they fit into the bigger picture. You know, we, we just kind of uh, proof text and take one uh, or, or a couple little verses, you know, like the, uh, the marks in, in the hands, uh, forgetting a, a suckling child thing. You know, I, I've recited that many times, but I, I've never put it into its proper context going, oh, oh, because of my sins, because of the world's sins, the Savior paid the price. But he also calls other people to help pay the price as well in smaller capacities. Um, and as we are becoming gods, as we uh, are, are, that's our end goal is to, to become gods like he is, uh, of course, he's going to, to start us off small and uh, start teaching us how to become those things, how to save children. We start off small and then we get bigger. And then pretty soon we have, um, uh, can, can create other worlds and, and implement these principles in another generation, another cycle. Um, but anyway, I, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of mind-blowing, honestly. Um, and, and that's why I'm grateful for Isaiah. It's just really opened my eyes to so many uh, different things and possibilities. Um, one little tidbit from, from an Isaiah class tied the, because Isaiah is doing his own thing in, in the Bible, but he's doing a completely different thing in the Book of Mormon. Uh, Nephi is is taking that and applying it and likening it in, in a new way to his specific family. And so it's kind of taking the, the broad aspect of Isaiah and uh, bringing it down to that family nucleus and, and how to make Isaiah work for a family. And anyway, it's just kind of rocked my world. It's going to take me a couple of weeks to kind of unpack it all and stuff to, to see if I can even put it coherently into words. But um, I, I think that there's just so much there. I'm excited to go to Triumph as I'm, and uh, I'm excited to, to sometimes circle back and uh, kind of study Book of Mormon Isaiah. I think that's a, a whole new enchilada in and of itself. I must be hungry. I'm, I'm mentioning lots of food. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, sorry to, to like take up so much time and, and ramble, but um, any kind of closing thoughts, Isaiah or otherwise? And uh, what you got for me? <laughs> um, I just wanted to say that Triumph of Zion was the beginning of my fortification, like where I started. So I'm yeah. excited to review it. Like that was that book is what um, kind of pushed me forward to um, fortifying myself and really digging deep so I think everyone's gonna really if they haven't read it they'll really like it mm -hmm. how long ago did you find it uh, I think it's been like four years ago I read it with a group and kind of similar to this and it really um kind of bandaged some of my wounds and gave me a lot of courage and a lot of um I don't know it just gave me just less uh just this yearning to learn and yearning to to dive into it and, and study and I, I used to watch tv mm -hmm. all day like 
I'd work all day and watch TV at night. And I never, I don't, I never watch TV now. I'm always trying to learn or study or I got my earphones in and I can't get enough of it. But mostly it was like to sanctify myself. I, that's where I kind of started. And fortifying myself because I needed it so bad. I have, I was, or my marriage was kind of a disaster and I had two teenage kids that were a disaster. And I was like, I can't do this. So it was first, it was like just watching TV and numbing myself. And then I just got, I just happened to run into a kind of a book club like this and that, that was the beginning. So I, mm-hmm. hopefully it will be like that for other people where it's just like, um, kind of a bandaid, like kind of, um, not a band, I mean, Christ is the healer, but just kind of gave me the hope that there was tomorrow. Like it was going to be okay. Cause I, also, I used to be so scared of the second coming. I would seriously get sick thinking about it. I would, I had so much fear. I just be like, don't talk about it. I don't want to hear about it. I had food storage. I had everything ready, but I was like, I don't want to know anything. I just, I have my food storage. I'm good to go. But the rest of it just was too, it hurt. Like it just scared me, but mm-hmm. like, I don't feel that way at all now. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I just found Triumph of Zion last year. Uh, I mean, like I've always studied and stuff, but I'd never knew like end time things or Zion principles at all. My first book was that uh, uh, Becoming a Zion People, uh, Abraham book. Um, But uh, Triumph of Zion was close on its heels and it it rocked my world. Yeah, (laughs) I'm excited. Yeah, I have not read it at all. So I'm really excited. You're in for a treat. Yeah. What's the title again? Triumph Sorry. of Zion. Uh-huh. Yeah. Triumph of Zion by John Pontius. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Our personal quest for the new Jerusalem. I just looked it up here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. And who was, yeah. Uh, Chelsea's holding it up there. Triumph of Zion. I, it's the Salt Lake Temple on it, right? Yeah. On the very top there. It's so, so good. Um, I'm on my fourth time I think of reading that book I love it it's one of my favorite books but um I've been listening to or reading um the millennial messiah by Bruce R. McConkie Mm -hmm. and he like reading so I've kind of been doing it at the same time not purposely but it's amazing to me how many um like he quotes a majority of Bruce R. McConkie and obviously the scriptures but if when are we starting that book club next time um it's it's sometime just right after conference so this one goes okay let's so we see. have some time yeah yeah so though i want to say if you have any um bruce r mcconkie books listen to them or read them because mm-hmm. it will help you um i don't know it's helped me attend this time around having read uh, a lot of bruce bruce's stuff so mm-hmm. just just a food for thought for all of you. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. I haven't read um, those uh, Millennial Messiahs or that series for quite a while. So I need to like dive back into those. All right, anything else before we head out for the night? Thanks for coming on at seven o'clock earlier than uh, it would either be that or, or really late at night. And I might not even be coherent. <laughs> the next... My next class, the last class is by Patrick Bain and he like fries my brain every time. It's just way deep, really hard to understand. But um, anyway, 
yeah. Um, it seemed like there was something else. Maybe not. If there's anything, I'll, I'll send out a text or something. But um, uh, as far as housekeeping, I think we're good for next week. We'll, we'll go, be going back to our, our normal time. Um, but yeah, anyway, thanks everyone. Um, was he? Who just had a chat really quick? <laughs> Chelsea says that she actually stayed awake the whole time. <laughs> yes, because aren't you like back in uh, Missouri or something like that? Uh, and so, yeah, uh, that time is, is a hard one. <laughs> Cameron, it's that soothing voice of yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, that was a funny one. Uh, yeah, yeah, Kathy was saying that she likes to, to listen because I have a soothing voice at night when she can't sleep. And I'm like, you're seriously, I've had three other people tell me that uh, you this really week. Do have a really soothing it's the weirdest voice. thing. <laughs> I actually put a lady to sleep the, the other night. I was like, <laughs> it's the craziest thing anyway <laughs> maybe that's hey, one of my people with insomnia it's a blessing trust me <laughs> there's no side effects <laughs> yeah that's perfect <laughs> i'll be the the pied piper of of the, the tent cities right <laughs> i'll just soothe them right to sleep just just give us scriptures and we'll all sleep <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> Well, it's been super fun. Excited for for all y'all. Um, anyway, yeah, we'll we'll see you next week. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> Bye.